Amen, amen. Good morning. Good to see you today. I want to welcome those that are watching online and in Columbus today. Welcome home. I just want you to know today that you have been prayed for. The pastors took some time this week just to come and pray for you and pray for this service and pray for what's going on in your life. I believe that God wants to do something today and speak to someone today in a way they've never been spoken to before. In fact, maybe you've came in here or you logged on today with maybe very low expectations. And today, I believe God wants to change someone's life change someone's perspective. So we're excited about that. We're excited we're starting a new series today. But before we get into that, I want to just give you a really uh, exciting announcement that's going to be coming up. Many of you know, but maybe not all of you know, that our church is 100 years old, old this year. And we're going to be celebrating that the last weekend of September. And so that Saturday, we're going to have kind of a come and go reception here at the church for Connecting Point, for the church that we planted in Girard several years ago. For those of you who are, that are here, our Hispanic church, we'll kind of have a genealogy of our church. We'll have different areas for people to walk through and tour, as well as the homestead. And so that'll be Saturday afternoon. You'll be seeing some more details about that. And then on Sunday, Sunday morning, Pastor Jim, who used to be the pastor here, him and I are going to be doing a message together that morning, kind of reflecting and then looking forward. And then that evening, we're really excited about Sunday night at 5, September 27th. We're going to be out at the park at the Bandome at Lincoln Park. We're going to invite, our, as I mentioned earlier, Columbus and Gerard and, and everybody who's a part of us, as well as anybody who's been a part of our past. And we're going to be outside at the Bandome so everybody can have plenty of room to social distance. We're going to baptize some people from both locations. Um, our district superintendent, as well as our general superintendent, who's over 162 world areas, all the different countries, one of them is going to be here that night. And we're just going to celebrate what God's doing. So please make it a point to be a part part of that weekend. That's going to be a really exciting time. And as I mentioned earlier, we're starting a new series today called Kingdom Eyes. Can you all say that with me? Kingdom Eyes. And the whole goal of this series and really what we're going to be talking about is seeing or the lifelong pursuit of seeing as Jesus sees. The lifelong pursuit of seeing as Jesus sees. Um, this series has been on my heart for quite some time, but for whatever reason, I just hadn't felt like God was, was saying, now's the time. And just here a month or so ago, ago, God began to speak to us about this is the right time for this series. And so I'm excited about what God wants to do. But the whole premise of this series is to see and to pursue to see things like Jesus sees them. Some of you have been married for a long time and hopefully you're striving to see more and more the way that your spouse sees, right? And more and more to see like uh, your husband sees, your wife sees, or maybe as a parent, uh, you're striving to see how the other person sees. And those are eyes that we continue to look through and go through. But if you're a believer today and you want to follow God, the reason why this should matter to you is, is that God wants us to grow more and more like him and to begin to see people, see politics, see difficult people, seek trials, COVID, other things that come up in our life through his eyes and not ours. And the reason I say lifelong pursuit is because we aren't God, but we want to begin to see more and more like him. So we're always pursuing to see like him. And as we have these kingdom eyes, in other words, we see people the way that he has us look at them. 
We begin to do things like maybe we want to hold a grudge, but the kingdom eyes in us and, and God's spirit in us says, wait, we can't do that. There's a lot of positive impacts that this series is talking about and scripture talks about and can happen in our lives as we have these kingdom eyes. Because, for example, as we have kingdom eyes, it helps us to see how God sees us and how we see God. I've talked to people over the years who maybe didn't have a good relationship with their dad or their mom, and maybe their dad abandoned them or their dad abused them or their dad wasn't around, and they start to transfer their, their relationship with their parent to God. And so if their parent was mean to them, then God must be mean. Or if their parent was judgmental, then God must be judgmental. Or if their parent wasn't around, then God's probably not around. Or if my parents abandoned me, then God's going to abandon me. Those are different views than kingdom eyes. Those are our experience eyes. Our experiences teach us things. But sometimes those experiences don't teach us the biblical thing. And so this series is all about realizing that we don't have to see God and Jesus the way that someone else has come into our life. We don't have to see ourselves the way that someone spoiled us and makes us think we're better than, than anybody else or that maybe someone's neglected us and so we don't think we're worth anything. Kingdomize impact how we see God, how we see ourselves, and how we see others including some of those difficult relationships. For example, how do you see someone who disagrees with you? Maybe you're already getting tense for me even saying that to you. They don't see things the way that you do. Maybe you avoid them. Maybe you confront them. Maybe you roll your eyes when they're around. But if you had kingdom eyes, How would you see those that disagree with you? Because I would contend it would be differently. It would be through love and compassion and through Christ's likeness. Or how about this one? Someone who has a different perspective than you. You vote Republican or you vote Democrat and they vote the opposite. They don't see it the way you do. Now, I don't know if it's tense online or in Columbus, but it is here. (laughs) And not just politics. Everybody can kind of take a sigh of relief. We'll get off of that for a minute. In general, you say potato. They say potato. They they do things differently than you. How is that impacted through having kingdom eyes? And here's the last one when it comes to that. What about those people who just flat don't like you? you've You've made them a cake. You try to be their friend. You're a teacher. You're a coach. You're a parent. You're a somebody. And in some way, shape, or form, you're in, you know, you've tried to reach out to a peer or you're an employer and you try to connect with an employee or you're an employee and you try to get on your boss's good side. And for whatever reason, in other scenarios I didn't even mention, you just, they don't like you. Or you've tried and you just don't care for them personally. How does kingdom eyes influence that? See, this morning, if you're a believer today, this series matters to you because God wants us to see people and situations through his eyes and not ours. And that's hard to do sometimes. Kingdom eyes, they influence those things and they, they, they help us view circumstances and situations that take place in our life or in someone else's life, like COVID. 
or trial or crisis or tragedy. Many of us as believers, myself included at times, we tend to look at life only through our perspective and the way that we see things through our experiences. Jesus came not only that we could have salvation, but that we could go deeper and that we could know more and we could see things through his eyes. I wanted to talk for just a minute today and take a few minutes here. And I want to talk about some of the reasons why we don't see through kingdom eyes more than, more than we should. Okay. I've got about eight or nine different ways and we're going to fly through them. So it won't take very long. Okay. But here's the first one. It's called the self view. Now I'm just going to be real with you today. Okay. I have a calling on my life. I'm a pastor, but sometimes we think pastors are perfect people. Pastors are not perfect people. Pastors have a calling on their life to do something and they follow that, but they're not perfect. I struggle with some of these. Here's one of mine. I've got several on here I struggle with. Okay. You see if any of these are yours. The view I see is based off of what's best for me. So I can't always see the kingdomized view if I'm focused on myself. Just last night, I got frustrated at one of my kids because I wasn't focused on kingdomized. I was focused on my perspective. And my wife gently reminded me of that. (laughs) So then I was like, I'm sa. Go talk to your mom. She'll tell you. No. I said, listen, I'm sorry. I was wrong. So the self-view. All right, here's another one. Now, I would have said the feelings view, but I guess all the feels is what you're supposed to say. All right? So I'm in my 40s, and I would have just said feelings, but I was trying to sound hip and cool, okay? So no matter what age you are, let's just all say all the feels, and we'll feel like we're in the, right? We're younger. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. All the feels. That may be the only time you ever say that, okay? But the all the feels view is, the view I see is based how I feel at the time. If I'm feeling lust, if I'm feeling angry, if I'm feeling sad, if I'm feeling depressed, I agree with kingdom eyes, but my feelings are the number one priority in my life. I like what this has to say. In fact, and when I'm not in a good mood or a bad mood or I'm not moody or I'm not this or I'm not that, I'll follow that. That's my second. But my all the feels view is however I feel is, is what eyes I'm going to look through. Okay. I know no one in here is that way. Right? But this is a dangerous one because we can't trust feelings. Okay? Here's another one. The logic view. Okay? From our perspective, it may seem like God is illogical, but the reality is we serve a God that's logic is different than our logic. Amen? And God's ways are not our ways. And some of us, we have the logic view. You pride yourself on being stable You pride yourself on being grounded. You pride yourself on what makes sense on paper. And we want our children to be that way. We want them to be logical and make decisions based off of what's right and and what makes sense and not just following their feelings and all these other things. And there's times and places for that. Solomon prayed for wisdom in the Old Testament. God's wisdom. But let me just tell you today, we have a church in Columbus, not because of the logic view, but because we followed God's logic view. And those aren't always the same. So let me tell you what my logic view was when 
our district superintendent reached out to us about planting a church in Columbus. My logic view was that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. We have one family that attends this church that lives in Columbus. Their names are Mike and Brianna Sourwine. They're the only couple that, that lived in Columbus that attends here. And logic tells me that to plant a church, you need to have a lot of people from this church that are from that area, and then you plant one. That's what seems logical to me. But God's logic is not our logic, amen? And kingdom eyes don't always follow our math. Prior to COVID, we were having 130 people over there with one family from here. Just the other day, they've got like 90% of their folks back over there that are they're attending in person. Kingdom eyes don't even always follow this view to us, okay? The get-along view now, I know no one in here avoids conflict, okay, right? But there are people that instead of putting kingdom eyes at the top of the list, you need to have an awkward conversation with someone, or you're the leader of something, and you have to make a hard decision about someone, and you, don't want, you want to avoid conflict, and you put avoiding conflict at the top of the food chain rather than kingdom eyes. Okay, that, that can happen. That can get in the way of kingdom eyes. The appearance view, this is also one I struggle with. I'm a three on the Enneagram. For those of you who've taken the Enneagram test, so what other, what other people think matters too much sometimes to a three. And this is the view I see is based off of what will look good to others. That view can get in the way of kingdom eyes sometimes. Okay? A couple more. The view I see is based off of what will be the safest way possible. Cautious view. Peter says, hey, Jesus, tell me to come to you if that's you. I know there's a hurricane going on, but tell me to walk to you. If you know that story on the water. That wasn't the safest way possible. It was the kingdomized way. Okay? Here's one. The view I see is based off of what will give me the most control possible. If you're an eight on the Enneagram, this one might be yours. Okay? And this one is... I want God's will, but I want control more. So that's why and when we're crucified to Christ, whatever our personality is, whatever our viewpoint is, whether it's power or one of these others, it's allowing God to crucify those views in our life and put them on a different level on that list and putting Christ ahead, okay? This isn't one that's relevant to now. The politics view, sarcasm. The view I see is based off of how I vote, my political partisanship. So if kingdom eyes says this, but it doesn't fit under my political platform, I'm going to put my political platform ahead of kingdom eyes. That can block what God wants to do in our life because we are, our real love, if this is us, is our God is not Jesus, it's political partisanship. Cut the knife. Tension. Okay, last one, and I'm laying these out. We're not going to do this either, each week, but this message is kind of laying the foundation for this series and helping us to understand what kingdom eyes are about. Okay, the view I see is based off of what will make everyone else happy, not me or God, just whatever will make anybody else happy, all right? Does any brave people in here say this might be yours or someone you know? Okay, don't point at them, but just, all right? The pleasers won't raise their hand because they're afraid it'll make anybody mad, all right? Yeah? <laughs> Okay, the view I see is based off of what will make everyone else happy. Here's what we need to know before we move on. These are some of the ways that get in the way 
of us seeing people in situations like Jesus. Jesus is kind of in that same boat when he's talking to his disciples. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17. And by the way, we don't say this all the time, but anytime you want to take notes digitally, you can go to the YouVersion app. If you don't have that Bible, just download the YouVersion app on your phone. Go to the events section. Find Pitt Naz, or if you're at Connecting Point, we have it in Connecting Point, and all of our scriptures and everything on there. Click save at the end of it, or you'll lose it. But click save, and you'll have those notes, okay? Or if you have your Bible, or it'll be on the screen. But here's what's going on. Jesus has, has went, and he's picked some people that, that are going to follow him. Because eventually he knows that he's not going to be on earth forever, and he's going to go back to heaven. And someone else is going to have to carry, the, carry on the torch, so he sees these dudes fishing on a fishing boat, and he comes and he says, hey, come follow me. I'll teach you how to fish, not for fish, but for people. And the presence of God just fell on them and allowed them to follow him, and they begin to see a different way. You know, Jesus was talking in a way that no one ever talked. Jesus was doing things that no one had ever done. Jesus was healing people. He, he, he took just a little bit of bread and some fish and there's like 5,000 people and the disciples were like, hey, let's go to Arby's or something. There's nothing here. And he's like, no, nah, stay here. Where's your faith? And he split it and, and, and he fed all these people. He, he, they watched this woman. She was subject to bleeding for 12 years. Y'all know what I'm talking about there. Jesus comes, heals her. And after that, he goes to this lady's house. Jairus, this daughter, Jairus had a daughter who was dying and was basically dead. He gets everybody out of the house that had no faith, and he heals that lady. I mean, these disciples knew, saw those stories, witnessed them, on and on and on. And Jesus starts to test them. Kind of like when you let your children drive for the first time with you in the car. He tests their knowledge. He wants to see, is any of this rubbing off on you? Are you getting any of this? And they're actually in Gentile country. And remember, they're, they're Jewish. And, and a lot of people didn't think kindly of Gentiles. It's interesting that Jesus picks Caesarea Philippi, which is a Gentile region, to start to tell him about this kingdom test. So he's walking with them. And he goes, hey, um, who, uh, who do, what are people saying about me? Not on social media. They didn't have it back then. As you've got your ears to the ground, I mean, you guys know people. Who, who do people say that I, that I am? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, listen, Jesus, you have quite the reputation out there. I mean, you're just, you're starting to, you're not just a local dude anymore, okay? You've got quite the following. There are people out there that they are thinking that you're John the Baptist. Some are comparing you to Michael, jo wait, not Michael Jordan. Some are comparing you to Elijah. You know, you remember the story about Elijah who, who, was, who was taken up in a chariot of fire. I mean, there's not too many people they would compare to Elijah, some are saying you're Elijah. And some are saying that you are like Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah had a lot of faith. He was called to, to be this prophet, and then no one was going to listen to him. And yet he stayed true to you. That's a pretty big 
pick name to be out there, and then others just think you're a prophet, one of the prophets. I just want you to know they're talking, and it's good. You're going to like it. They think a lot of you. You ever had somebody tell you you look like somebody, some, some whoever, and you're like, really? Oh, no. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets, some say, that's good company. But what do you say? See, you've been following me around, watching me heal people and, and do things for people, and you've seen me heal that girl that was dead. You've seen me heal that lady who was subject to bleeding for years and years. You've seen me drive out demons. I mean, you've seen a lot of things. Who do you say that I am? He's testing their kingdom eyes. Are they seeing the way I'm seeing? Are they getting this? Peter speaks for the entire group and he says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. I know what people were saying. That's not how we feel. I was just telling you how they feel. But you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And here's the verse that the whole series is based off of. Here we go. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. Let's finish it together. Because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. I want to contend to you today as a believer. If you're a believer, you need to know this, or you might be reminded of this if you already know it. There are some things Jesus doesn't want you to see. He wants to reveal it to you. If you've been married very long, if you've been a parent very long, if you've been working somewhere very long, there are certain things that happen in the beginning of a relationship that don't always happen throughout the relationship. But then the relationship grows and grows and there's, it's deeper and there's more. It's the same in our walk with God. There are some things in front of us that we can't see, but he wants to reveal. But the only way he can reveal those things is if we're spending time in relationship with him. And let me just tell you, and I did this for a lot of my growing up life. If the church doors were open, my family was here. I went to church. I knew everything from a head knowledge, but I wasn't following God. And a Sunday morning walk with God isn't enough to always get the revelation that God wants to give us. This is a true story. When I was in college studying to be a pastor, I took this systematic theology too. You know, it's boring. Age, or uh, Adam probably loved it. Okay? You probably got an A, and I probably, I just passed or something. And the professor um, was Dr. Frank Moore, who happens to be a really good friend of Pastor Jim Sucraw, who was a pastor here for 30-some years. He told me this story, and I was really skeptical as he was telling the story. But then, I'll tell you what happened. Dr. Moore was in Russia, and he was speaking at some conference or doing something there. And he left his, at that time, because they didn't have apps, you know, now if we get lost, you just plug in the address and you take, it takes you right to it. Back then you didn't have that, so you had one of these big road maps. And Dr. Moore had left his road map at his hotel or somewhere and forgotten it, gets out and he's supposed to go speak somewhere and he doesn't know where he's supposed to go. He's never been in Russia before and he's just totally panicked. And he began to speak to God. 
Lord, I don't know what to do. He says, he said, I heard as clear as day. He said, it's never happened to me again. He said he heard in his head the Lord say, drive up here and turn left. You can teach this in children's church. This is a deeper thing that somebody who's a real concrete thinker would have a hard time understanding. As he's telling me this, turn right, turn left. I'm skeptical, right? I'm listening to him tell the story, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit descended on that class, that systematic theology class. And I felt my spirit, the Lord telling me, because the Bible says our spirit bears witness with, with someone. I've, I, have you ever met someone before and you think they're a Christian? I don't even know who they are. I can just tell. And you begin to talk to them and, the, and you can just find it out. Our spirit bore witness with what Frank was saying and, and the Holy Spirit came over and we began to believe that what he was saying happened happened. It wasn't something we saw. It was something that the Holy Spirit revealed. Some deep stuff today. Now, before anybody's like, okay, yeah, right. I don't believe that stuff happens all the time. But if you walk with the Lord long enough and you've been in either church settings or you've been around other people, you hear some stories where God does some amazing, crazy Things that don't seem logical to us, but make perfect sense to God. And when he looks at Peter and he says, there is no way, I'm going to paraphrase this. There is no way you should have known that I was the Messiah. You want to know why you know that? It's because my father has revealed this to you through kingdom eyes. You did not learn this from any human being. What we're talking about through this series is not something that we automatically get when we just come to church or we just pray for our dinner. It's something that happens as we walk with God and we seek him. Peter, when he got off the boat and followed Jesus, was not going to get the revelation that he was the son of the living God. He got the revelation as he continued to follow God. There's some observations I want to just go through real quick this morning. First, as I share that story, Jesus asked the disciples to identify who. To identify who they believed him to be. Now hang with me. This is a deeper one today, okay? It's a little, this isn't surface stuff. Jesus asked the disciples to identify who they believed him to be. Who do you say that I am? See, because I think Jesus was concerned that they were just going to claim him while everybody liked the show. But as soon as things got difficult, all of a sudden, are they going to claim him? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was with Jesus when he fed the 5,000. I was there when he healed the woman who was subject to bleeding. I was there when he cast the demons out of the people. And, you know, he just sent them right up, threw them into pigs, and they went right over the cliff. I was there. I had a backstage pass. I was there. I put it on social media. I'm with this guy. I claim him. 
okay, I get that. I know they say that, that I'm Elisha and I'm all these people, but who do you say that I am? Because see, if you're gonna claim me in your life, then I need you to name me in your life. Am I just the Jesus that you're proud of when everybody wants to come to youth group and it's the popular youth group in town to go to? Am I just the Jesus that fits in between your travel sports schedule? Am I just the Jesus that you honor on Easter and Christmas? Am I just the Jesus, you know, that, that you want to be around when everything in your life is okay? See, you want to claim me, but are you going to name me? I've been on both sides of this in my life. If we're going to claim me, Jesus says, then you need to name me. Who am I? Peter says, you are the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. Now, here's what's cool and kind of not cool at the same time. Peter got it right. But in a few weeks, Peter gets it wrong. We're going to talk about that later on in the series. So let me just tell you today, none of us are perfect, but we serve a perfect God, amen? And he wants us to have kingdom eyes that grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And as we grow in his grace, we mature, and the things we used to say don't roll off our tongue quite as easy as they used to, and the things we used to think don't maybe, hopefully, don't come into our minds as much as they used to, there's evidence, there's fruit that happens. Because Jesus, he's not looking to be our secret savior. You remember those secret Santas, you know, at Christmas time? I hope Shirley draws my name because she buys nice gifts. I hope Wilma doesn't get it, she's cheap. Jesus isn't looking to be a secret savior. Now I realize we're all wired differently. Not all of us are loud mouths. Not all of us are quiet. God's not asking us to be somebody we're not. You don't have to be a loud mouth if you're a quiet person. You don't have to be a quiet person if you're a loud mouth. But what it does mean is that as we give our lives to Jesus in the way he's crafted us to be, we are to let our light shine before others. even if we would rather not. Because kingdomize is at the top of the list, not our personality. Peter speaks for everybody. You're the, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Another thing we notice as we told that story is Peter developed kingdomize, as I mentioned earlier, as he continued to follow Jesus. I want to talk to maybe some people who are new believers or maybe you're in here today and you're still trying to figure out if God is real. God is not afraid of you trying to figure out if he's real or not. He has big shoulders. Some of you are in here and you're not sure what you believe. Some of you have had a bad experiences with, with, with other people. 
in churches. Some of you have had people in your life that have hurt you before. And so what I'm talking about today is hard for you to grasp. But let me just tell you today, as you continue to follow him and put one foot in front of the other and walk and grind through his word, not just when you have free time on your hands, but every day when you read his word, whether it's on your phone or in the book, and you, and you pray and you talk with God and you say, God, my attitude stinks and I want to be more like you. God, COVID stinks. But Lord, would you show me how to be more like you as we continue to seek God's eyes and what he wants for us? We begin to see things through kingdom eyes. You see, kingdom eyes reveal things that are otherwise hidden. I drive a school bus for the school district in the mornings. And the other day I was driving down this road and I'm like, I've driven by this road a hundred times and never noticed that house was there. They didn't all of a sudden erect the house in one day. I just didn't notice it. Don't know why. I just noticed this house. I'm like, that's not on Free King Highway. I've never remember ever seeing that house. That house is right there. Wow. We walk by people every day. We deal with situations every day that maybe through our eyes and our self-view and our appearance view and our political view and our pleasing other people view, all these other views I've been talking about, that we just don't even see it's right there. You're so focused on yourself at school or yourself at work or yourself wherever or myself wherever that we don't even see. God's like, listen, if you'll ever give me your stuff, I'm going to have you help that person right there. But you don't even see them because you're not looking at it through my eyes. See, the things that you can't see that God wants you to see and me to see, they don't come through logic. They don't come through anything else. They come through the Spirit. And if we aren't spending time with him, now this is what pastors say. No, it's really true. You, no matter how, how long you've been following God, you're not going to grow in faith if you don't get into this. And not only read it. And I realize, listen, I'm a pastor. There's things I'm reading. I'm like, what? I don't know what they're talking about. I have to go back and read some other books that talk about it. Sometimes I still don't understand what they're talking about. And I ask Adam, and he's like, well, this is what it is. <laughs> or I call Jim. But I'm going to tell you something. There's been some times where I've read this and God has confirmed something in my heart. There's times that I've read this that I felt so convicted I could barely do anything. There's been times where I've been so down and so low and so just brokenhearted. And I've read something that gave me encouragement. And there's been times where somebody else would text me or call me or come alongside me because they had their kingdom eyes on and God put, some, put me on their heart and they, they encouraged me. I'm telling you, you want to know what our world needs? The world needs the church. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about Pitt and Az. I'm talking about the church in general. The world needs the church to be the church and to love God the way we're supposed to love God and to let that light reflect in us. We're not producers of light. I don't have any light in me. I, I'm supposed to reflect the light that is Jesus that's in my heart. And when everybody 
is reflecting that light. You can be Democrat. You can be Republican. You can be somebody who doesn't agree with me. You can be angry with me. You cannot understand me. You can look at life differently because the love of Jesus is so in my heart that I see it through his eyes and not my stupid, selfish self-eyes. And I don't care if you're a pastor or a missionary or, or an atheist or whoever you are. We all have to walk through the door of humility and realize that Jesus Christ is the only way we get into heaven. He's the only way that gives us what we need to endure. He never promised we wouldn't have COVIDs. He never promised that somebody wouldn't do the wrong thing. He never promised we wouldn't go through trials, that someone wouldn't hurt us, that someone wouldn't abuse us, that someone wouldn't leave us, that someone wouldn't forsake us, that there would be a bunch of stuff going on. But you and me... We see it through our eyes and we get angry and we chuck our faith and we act like God isn't real or why am I even wanting to do this? Or the first time things get hard, we chuck it. And it's because we're not looking at it through kingdom eyes. We're looking at it through our experiences, our feelings, or our logic or whatever happened to us. This series, whether I do a good job with it or not, this series is the most important series we've done and I can't even think when. And it's what's wrong with our world. This series, we can justify any view we want to justify. And we can take scriptures out of context and justify those views. Or we can just put our views down and say, Jesus, what is your view? And any view, because, you know, sometimes we do this. Christians do it a lot. Well, God told me, you know. Well, whatever God told you or told them, if it doesn't match up with this, then God didn't tell you that. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something or not do something that doesn't go along with this. Well, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me to cheat on my spouse. I think that's what the whole... Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't... That, that's not the Holy Spirit because this doesn't say that. My enemy can go somewhere hot. Forget them. I, that's not what this says. That's what your feelings say. I'm going to be unkind to them because they vote differently than me and they're stupid and I don't know how anybody could be on that side of the aisle and be a believer or see it that way. So I don't want anything to do with them and I'm not going to talk to them again. That's not in here. I don't even want to hear their opinion. I don't even want to see what they've said. I don't even care what they think. It's not in here. She was, what? She was caught in the act of adultery? How many times? Well, law says we should stone her. And I'm not talking about cannabis. I'm talking about with rocks. Jesus, what does your kingdom I say? Well, my kingdom I say, those of you who've never done something wrong before, throw the first rock. 
woman. Did you hear the rocks hitting the ground? They're leaving because they've also done some wrong things, one of which was judging you that harshly. Where are your accusers? Well, they're not here. Okay, then you need to get up. Stop sleeping with people that aren't your husband. You're free. Some of us preach the grace of that. Some of us preach only the truth of that. And the reality is Jesus is always both. He's always about accountability. He's always about truth. But he's also about mercy. I'm not standing up here without mercy. I've made too many mistakes in my life. I have to be in a place where I can realize that there are some things I'm just not going to see. But God can reveal. That's why when we read the scripture, we, we pass over to the place where we think he calls Peter the rock on which he builds the church, but really he doesn't. He's saying that what you said, Peter, is the rock on which I'm going to build the church, which is you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And on that rock, not on you, Peter, but on the thing you just said, which is I'm the Messiah, the son of the living, we're going to build this church. Everybody focuses on that, and we forget this part. This is so good, man. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this because you're smart, because you've been watching me for a while. You have kingdom eyes. So I got to thinking about that. As we wrap up today, here's the test for me and for you. We have to ask ourselves this question every day because Peter got it right that day. Then later when he's just standing in front of somebody who asks him if, you know, if he's with Jesus, Peter gets it wrong. It's a question we have to ask all the time. Pride in us sometimes says, well, I've been going to church a long time, so I got that question right. Well, you got to ask it again tomorrow too. We can forgive someone, and then we have kids, and all of a sudden, we're angry at mom again. And forgave mom, but then you had your own child, and you think, how in the world could she ever do that to me? And now you're angry, and you just let it go a while back. Why? Because we stop asking these questions. We think because we asked Jesus one time to search our hearts, that's the only time. you got to do it every day. I do. We can lay it down, but we can pick it back up. You forgave him, and now you're angry at him again. Is Jesus someone you're following or are you just there for what he can do for you? Is Jesus someone you talk to before you eat your country fried steak? Is he just there for you after you score a touchdown? God, to God be the glory, man. I'm going to go out and live completely different than that. But right here in front of everybody, I just want to give God props. Everybody went back to church when the planes hit the towers on 9-11 that we just celebrated. Happened in what, 2001? Everybody went to church. Everybody came back. Israel would forget who God was, but then when their land was pillaged and plummeted, then they would seek God. And we get mad when we have trials and tragedies and God's like, I'm not causing them, but you have to admit that some of that stuff's the only thing that gets our attention.
And you got, you know how you got people in your life that you might call a friend, but they're really not a friend. They're just there because you're serving free Pepsi and you have your pools open and you invited them over. And then, you know, but they're not around when you're going through something really difficult. And then you got these other people in your life that no matter what's going on, they are there. And they've seen you when you were not nice, when you were having your bad day, they were there for you and maybe you were there for them. Are you a fan of Jesus who's there when he's healing people and everything's going great? Are we following Jesus during COVID when everything that's normal is not normal anymore? And what's even harder is we have to ask that question every day. I'm not sure what we need to do with that, but I feel like the Holy Spirit's working this morning. I think that the Lord is so big and so vast that he can customize that for me where I'm at and where you're at and where you're at and so on. And as the band comes to play and we kind of move into this transition, is there, you know, and I don't want to go back through them, but one of those views that I was telling you about is one of those views or, or maybe even multiple views are some of those views getting in the way of you being able to see it the way, the way God wants you to see it? Maybe you have some people in your life that are difficult to love. Maybe you're married to them. Maybe you have a child that's an adult and you've reached out to them over and over and over. And you've prayed, Lord, bring them back to you. And they're just not coming back. And it makes you kind of angry towards God or just bitter inside because you're taking the view, and it's a natural thing to do. You're taking the view off of kingdom eyes and just on how you feel, because that's easy. Maybe you hit the pause button like I did when I was in my early 20s because I didn't want to be a pastor. I mean, I knew that's what God was saying, but I didn't want to do that. Flat didn't want to do it. Then I was just miserable. I think that God wants us to go in deeper. If you've been a Christian your whole life or you don't know anything about God, would you consider taking a step closer to God today? Well, I don't know how. Well, when I asked out wit for the first time, I didn't know how, I just kind of did it. You know, there's a million ways to do it. I called her on the phone and asked her. She told me she had to go home and see her parents, so I kept nagging her and she finally went out with me. You may not know how to ask Jesus to be your buddy or to spend time with him or get to know him or, or grow deeper with him. You don't have to know how to do it, man. People think they know everything. That's pride. It's just simply talking with God and saying, hey, I don't have this figured out, but I'd like to know you more. I'm asking you to be patient with me. Or maybe you have that surface level relationship the way I did most of my life, but God's like, there's way more here than this. We do that in marriages, we do it with parenting. We kind of take something to a level. We're not willing to go any farther. But, and that's the only reason our marriages aren't stronger, our relationship with our kids aren't stronger, is because we decided that's it for me. I'm not going any farther. But if we're open to kingdom eyes, any relationship you can ever think of, 
God can press through and love can come in and things can go deeper and farther than you could even think. So as we stand together this morning, we have these altars up here. They're collecting dust, right? I don't know, I'm not speaking for anybody, but sometimes they're hard to pray at because we're worried we're gonna get COVID or we're gonna be too close to someone. Pastor Adam, several weeks back, put tape down so you can spread out. You certainly don't have to come to an altar to pray. You can pray right where you're at. You can turn around and sit right there. You can stand where you're at. You can come down here and pray. What does God want you to put down so you can see the way that he sees.